listening to the Top Music Guitar Podcast, the show for guitar teachers to learn about the craft of teaching great guitar lessons that students love. If you're looking to start or expand your studio and make guitar teaching your full-time dream job, you've come to the right place. Each week, you'll get to hear from some of the top guitar teachers from around the globe and get their best tips and experiences so you too can build your own dream studio. I'm your host, Michael, and I've founded one of the top guitar schools in Australia, written a best-selling curriculum, and I mentor guitar teachers. I'm excited to share my expertise with you and the wisdom of all the experts we interview. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Let's get into it. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of the Top Music Guitar Teacher Podcast. As always, I've got a real treat for you guys listening at home, and today's episode is going to be no exception. So today's special guest is someone I sort of bumped into online. I'm a member of lots of guitar groups, which I try and use to network with other teachers and also help students from all around the world. And there was someone I took notice of who was posting some really informative stuff, both in the forms of sharing videos, promoting some of the books that he's authored, and the good work he's doing helping a lot of frustrated, self-taught guitar players better understand music theory, the fretboard, and becoming better players. So Let's welcome Guillaume Metz to the podcast. Welcome, Guillaume. Hey, thanks for having me. So I understand you're originally from Paris over in France and you're now living in Colorado. So maybe give our listeners a brief background of your musical journey so far from being a humble guitar player all the way up to teaching. First of all, yeah, thanks, Michael, for having me. Bit of an atypical path, I would say, towards the guitar teaching and the guitar playing, but I was born and raised in Paris up until I was about 25 years old. That's when I moved to the States. And self-taught for almost the entirety of this time, self-taught meaning what it means for most guitarists, which is a lot of frustration, a lot of trying to figure it out by myself. Um, I'm also part of that last type of generation that didn't have YouTube when I first started. So it was a lot of, you know, learn, picking things by ear and trying to kind of put the pieces together and with a lot of frustration again. And Occasionally along the road, like many guitarists had a few teachers when my parents could afford it or when, you know, it, it made sense at the time. So a few lessons here and there. But my actual degree, my diploma and my master's degree is in engineering. That's, I think, why I really love music theory is because I am pretty much a nerd. I love kind of picking things apart and understanding complex things and sciences and things like that. And so the the problem, the puzzle of music was something where I was like, I can't let this, I need to understand this. All right. But yeah, so fast forward, I got my engineering degree as I was kind of playing guitar. And then finally, I moved to the States for a little bit first time and got introduced to the music scene here, loved it, decided that I did not want to be an engineer and that I wanted to be a musician instead. And then I went back to France for one year in music school, a school called the Music Academy International which is considerably cheaper than any of the schools you would have here. So that's kind of why I went there. And that's where everything clicked. I learned all the things that I kind of needed to fill in the gaps here and there, play music all day long for a whole year, a lot of different genres, learned a lot, and then became more of a professional, I would say, in that year and came back to the States to start my, my music career as a musician. While I was in music school, that's when I also kind of developed this interest for teaching. That's when I wrote my first book, started getting into the teaching thing and realizing how much I loved helping people understand that stuff. So when I moved here, not only did I want to be a musician, but I already knew I wanted to be like a, an educator. And I got involved in college, taught at 
MSU in Denver when I was about 25, uh, well, 26, like 25, 26, when I first moved here. And the rest is history, you know. That's a fantastic story. And uh, you mentioned a couple of times uh, this fascination with music theory and understanding it. Why do you think so many guitar players struggle with music theory? And even you know, worse is they're intentionally ignorant or avoidant about it. Why is that so? I've thought of a few things. I think the first one is the name, music theory. All the things that have basically been put into this bracket since that science came about. So I think a lot of people think of like classical music theory, which is a lot of like dissecting like Brahms tunes and like arrangements. They picture like notes everywhere on a board and like, you know, inversions of chords and reading and all these things. Quite honestly, if that's what theory was, I would not like it either. Right. So I, I can't blame people for this. So they get it confused with reading notes. They get it confused with classical music. And then they also, there's the word theory in there. And I think people have this idea that it's something you can debate, that it's a theory, that it's up for grasp. So it's one of the theories that you have, but you don't need to use it. Like at the end of the day, it's like, it's just a theory. That really is, I think, a big thing. So it's not a theory, right? There's no debate on what a C major chord is. It's always been a C major chord. We know what it is. Anyways, that's a big one. There's all sorts of other things. For guitars specifically, I think that guitars have this type of rebel philosophy. And I think it's the way kind of the culture behind the instrument is a lot of like campfire culture, uh, anarchist culture. You look at all the styles of music that kind of like are characterized by the, the guitar and there's, there is this kind of rebellious aspect to it. And I think that also comes into how people approach the instrument, right? I tell guitarists, I'm like, I don't know of a sax player that doesn't know how to read music. I, not one. Sax players know how to read music. They go to school. They know they need to learn the instrument. And there's not that culture around other instruments that there is necessarily around the guitar. So that's another thing. And then I would say the third thing is the lack of alignment between how you would understand theory from scratch, which is, you know, basic scales and then some chords and things like that. Like think about the progress you would make on the piano if you were to understand theory. On the piano, the notions kind of go in sync where the first little tools you learn on the piano are also the beginnings of theory. And it kind of goes like this. On the guitar, I always say, I give the example, here's an E major chord. Why is this an E major chord? Think of all the things you have to tell someone of why this is an E major chord. Like, because there is notes that repeat, they're not in the right order. Like it's not one, three, five, it's one, five, one, three. And then the E major scale is not an easy one to play on the guitar. Major scales in general, we usually tend to start with the pentatonic because it's much more, it's much easier to play. So you've got this weird order of notions on the guitar. And I think that's why, so the, the fretboard layout, the difficulty, the misalignment, the name, the lack of alignment, you know, uh, the philosophy of the guitarist and boom, you've got a cocktail of, I don't care about this stuff, right? I don't need it. <laughs> Yeah, that was some really, really insightful uh, stuff you've said there. And for the last two minutes, I've just had the cogs going around in my head going, music theory has a branding problem. Music theory has a branding problem. And if we only called it something else, uh, people would probably take to it you know, much more. But you're definitely right in terms of most people are put off 
by the the theory of it and also the the rebellious spirit of rock and and things like that one other thing um i've noticed is with the theory it's often taught and you kind of alluded to this from a piano player's perspective that's not very relevant and i just remember the first you know three or four years of high school music class is all the theory was done on a piano and it wasn't relevant to me as a guitar player and it all made sense i, I was probably like you one of those nerdy kids who lived and breathed music and the theory was like having the treasure map. And, and that's how I explained to my students is like, imagine if you had a map that told you exactly where you needed to go to find what it is you're looking for. Uh, and they sort of, you know, beam up that, oh, that sounds interesting all of a sudden. But uh, yeah, too often music theory is taught from a classical perspective or a piano perspective and that that puts people off. But what do you think our, our teachers, uh, our fellow listeners and, and people teaching could do to better address the music theory needs for their students? It's a good question. I think I think the key, honestly, is to start from scratch, because guitarists, from what I understand, it's very rare that I know someone that has good foundation. And the reason for that is that if they did have good foundation, they wouldn't be stuck and they wouldn't need lessons. So usually there's kind of this, you know, unless they're really advanced musician and they're coming to you just to like, you know, brush up on certain things or learn like a few extra licks or something like that. But most of the time when someone's really stuck and they there's things they don't get, it's because their understanding is bottlenecked at the very beginning. Like they don't know what intervals are. They have they don't really know what they are and what they mean and how important they are as chord tones and stuff. And because they don't know that, they don't understand how chords are made and how scales are made and how they're different from modes, etc. So I think for theory teachers, it's really about kind of trying to tell the story from the beginning. That's what I say. Like a lot of guitarists, it's like they land in the middle of a movie and they know that something's been happening for two hours, but they have, they're trying to put the pieces together, but they don't get it. Like, why is this character angry at this character? Like, I think this was what happened, you know, but it's like, they don't really know. So one of the things I do is, I know you probably know a lot of these things and how to play them, but I need to take you back to the beginning of the story so that you really see how things evolved. And then I think the the big thing for teachers is to preserve coherence between notions. You can't just like, okay, let's talk about the scale today. And then people are like, wait, what, what is that? You know, like if you want people to understand theory, you need to start from the beginning and build the notions one by one in a way that connects and that makes sense. And that makes sense also in the way you present them on the fretboard. So I personally found a, a structure that works really well. Um, and it's usually intervals, triad, cage system. Cage system, you got a foundation. Then you start using this to overlap some more complicated notions like uh, the pentonic scales and the blues scales. And then you start adding notes, tetrads, major scale, minor scale. And again, at first you're kind of obsessed with helping people get the tools, like show them the toolbox that they have. That's a, you know, that's a wrench. That's a major scale. That's a minor scale. And then once that's solid, I get into person, I get into harmony and I start helping them like connect the dots of how you use what with what. All right. But it does take like a bit of a of a backstory, right? Starting from scratch. And I think that's where a lot of teachers go wrong with theory is they they jump to specific things and they they let themselves get sidetracked by the questions of the students. It's like, well, I really want to learn jazz. It's like, 
okay, well, you better sit, you know, you better know your stuff if you really want to learn jazz. Like it's the theory behind jazz is complex. And the more you understand it, the better, right? So that's the, some of the advice I would have, I guess. Yeah, I really like your analogy about dropping into the story in the middle and having to go back to the beginning because I know from my experience, it'll be like, okay, today we're going to learn a scale. And then someone's asking, what's a scale? Okay, a scale is this, this, this. We have these intervals. Oh, what's an interval? Okay, it's this, this, this. What's this movement? A semitone or a, a tone or a whole step or a half step. So you've got to go right back to the you know the nuts and bolts and build on top of that knowledge to get back reverse. You know, Take your scale but reverse engineer it to the uh, music theory essentials and then build back up to wherever it is you need to go. So on that topic, and you sort of alluded to it in your previous answer, if you had an 80-20 principle view of music theory and you had to narrow it down to the essential topics for guitar players, what would they be? First thing is, for theory specifically, it's intervals big time, right? Intervals is the foundation. If People will understand intervals, but they won't understand why they're so important. And that's the main thing. It's like, I try to insist on that. What is... Why are intervals important? They're important because they tell me how a note is going to sound versus another. And if I know this, then I can know how a note plus another note are going to sound versus another or three notes in a row, etc. Like I'm I'm starting to build my foundation. So have them realize the power of intervals. For example, by asking them questions like how does an F sharp sound over an A major chord? It's like, well, I don't know what an F sharp sounds like, okay, well, what if I told you that F sharp is the major sixth in an A chord? And then they're like, well, I still don't know what you mean. It's like, yeah, well, meanwhile, not only do I know how it sounds, but I can sing it. I can hear it in my mind. I've trained my brain to know and I can see where it is on the fretboard and everything. And so you get a lot of power over these things, right? Talk about why, how the guitar is tuned and why you're always going to have something weird happen on the B string. A lot of guitars don't know that. They're like, oh yeah, now I see that an A major is actually an E major that you're moving up. It's just the B string makes it, makes the shape change, right? Like a lot of guitars don't know that. Bring them along the journey with the guitar. Show them, like you said, it's not a piano theory. We, we want to know what happens on this instrument. It doesn't help me to know what an inversion looks like on the piano. I don't care, right? Unless you're a pianist, of course, and then you do. But Then triads and then the cage system. Immediately the cage system. Then you trim the cage system shapes back down to little triads of just three or four notes and explain how you can actually narrow it down, trim the fat down and just play little, little bits like this, right? Rather than the full shapes all over the fretboard. Then pentatonics, right? 80-20 of guitar. I mean, you've got at least 65 there that are the pentatonic scale. Like really know the pentatonic scale. Not kind of, not sort of, not one shape or two. Like everywhere on the fretboard, major and minor. That's going to make you a great guitarist already. And then I would focus on, you know, some people that's where they want to stop. They don't need mixolydian or lydian flat, you know, like, or... They don't need all these modes there, right? So pentonic's great. And now you have to teach people what to play when. And so that's the art of harmony. How do you make chord progressions? How do you know if you're in G major or in or in A minor or all these things? Harmony, right? Harmony really helps guitarists. It tells them what their options are, allows them to play tunes, to compose. I would say that's a huge one. So yeah, if I were to narrow it down, I would do intervals, caged, triads. 
I would do pentonics and then I would focus on some harmony and some chord progressions. Fantastic. And for most, uh, you know, rock contemporary players, that's going to take them with their pentatonics, maybe including the, the major scale and the diatonic modes of the major scale. That's what most rock contemporary pop guitar players need. It's not really unless they go into jazz territory or um, some of the jazzier sort of blues, do they really need to explore any of the melodic, maybe sometimes harmonic minor, depending on, uh, you know, if you do a bit of flamenco and or neoclassical metal, but you don't really have to go too much past that, do you? You really don't. For one, yeah, a lot of people will be fully satisfied with a good, you know, pentonic slash blue scale. Maybe you add the blue note in there, right? Which is just one extra note. You can already play over most things. And the cool thing is that when you really know your pentatonic and you have a solid foundation of the pentatonic, you'll naturally kind of start exploring with other notes if you feel like you want to hear them. Like as your ear develops in these scales, you know, you're like, you're playing over here in A minor, for example. And you're like, ooh, that's a cool note. Like, that's a cool color. And so you've discovered a new note. And then that note will start maybe pushing you towards a research of, oh, because that note is from this scale. Where can I play that note in all my other shapes? Now you know your cage system, so you can kind of think, okay. Oh, it's here as well, you know. You've got all these different options, and you've added a note to your vocabulary without obsessing over the modes and the whatever. But you're you're using your ear to guide you with those extra colors that you might need in some cases, right? That's already really big. Now, of course, if you want to go into, yeah, like you said, like jazz and some R and B, some soul, all these things, yeah, you're probably going to want to learn some more some more modes and things like that. But that works really well. Another one I would say, honestly that I didn't say, but that kind of has to do with those little triads, like I said, is little arpeggios, right? Immediately after kind of like the triads and the chord progressions, I would start incorporating arpeggios, little and mixing the pentatonic with little arpeggios like that. Not the big like metal arpeggios where you go, right? You don't need this. You just need little bits here and there. Like you're in your pentatonic scale got a little arpeggio right there and it adds dimension to your solo and different melodic options and stuff now i know you mentioned before music theory being something that a lot of self-taught players get stuck with or frustrated with another topic that uh from my experience uh, self-taught players really struggle with is creativity and improvisation so why do you think so many guitarists especially self-taught ones well in my case i struggled with it even though i had some of the you know best teachers in the world at the time but why do guitar players struggle so much with creativity and inspiration yeah that's a great question i think again theory i think is one of the main things because they're stuck within repetitive mechanic patterns because they don't see notes on the fretboard as a list of options. They just know what they know. They've repeated sequences over and over and over again. And that is literally all they know. They're essentially as good as a blind person can train themselves to go to the supermarket because they've just gone to the supermarket so many times they can go there with just kind of like, they don't know what's going on. They don't know their options. There might be a shortcut here, a shortcut there. They don't see anything, but they know how to go to the supermarket. If they take that one road, you take them, you put them somewhere else, they're like, they're lost. They can't go, right? They can't go to the supermarket. So this is how most guitarists are. You ask them a few questions and you realize they do not see anything on their fretboard. 
Like there'll be someone you're like, can you play me an A minor triad in this area here? Do you see a triad in A minor? And they won't see that there's a little A minor right there, right? Because they don't see their fretboard as a list of options. They don't understand the theory. They've never worked on trying to really look at where things are on the fretboard and navigate patterns, patterns, patterns. And it's very simple. If you learn to play the same thing over and over again, that's what you're going to do. Because unless you have more options and you broaden your spectrum, you're not going to be able to do it. So that's one thing, the theory. The theory keeps you stuck, not knowing theory. But let's just assume that that's pretty much an answer to a lot of the problems that guitarists have. And um, go on to something else. Like if you were to think, okay, what's another thing that blocks guitarists and their creativity? I would say you need to transcribe good solos that you like. You need to learn tunes, right? It's very, very important. Like it feeds your bank of ideas, of musical ideas. So if you listen to good music or the music that you like and you transcribe good music, you will expand that bank. And more than just transcribing again, trying to transcribe and, and think about why what that player that you like the solo of is doing, why does it work? What key is the tune in? How does that solo fit? What arpeggio are they using over here? Oh, that's really cool. I want to reuse this in my solo. That's the process of creativity. And then the last key, of course, is time, patient. Keep doing it. But play with an intention to get better and not just rebash the same things over and over again. Yeah, I really like that idea of increasing your almost vocabulary of ideas by listening and uh, transcribing. And if there's one thing I'd add to that, um, from what you're saying prompted my thoughts, I think a lot of guitar players wait too long to be creative and that goes into the time factor. Like if you went to school when you started English when you were six, you started maths when you were nine, you would just expect that you wouldn't be good at maths for a couple more years because you've delayed the onset of that skill. And often with guitar players, we're told, you know, you've got to learn a bunch of songs, you've got to play this, you've got to get to this level. So you do three or four years before you get to creativity and then you get to it and all your other skills are up here, creativity is down here. So you have this warped sense of um, where it's at, where it's perfectly normal to be not good at improvisation if you haven't done it <laughs> it's yeah. just something you need to work on and that's where the time factor kicks into it 100 percent. and then i will say one last thing i forgot that's crucial is if you can start a band play live go out to jam sessions there is something about being with other musicians seeing other musicians play that will just really and getting that fear of performance kind of down and fear of letting your ideas out flow freely uh in this context that really helps i think that's amazingly important too many guitar players they practice and practice some more and practice even more and they never gig they never jam they never leave the bedroom yeah. And not that there's nothing wrong with that, but you're missing out on like two thirds of all the best parts of playing an instrument. <laughs> so um, yeah, so nothing to all the you know bedroom guitar players who become amazingly technical musicians and still create beautiful music. But I couldn't imagine you know not playing with other people, not having done uh, been in a band or not performing. And there's just so much you're leaving on the table as part of the the musical experience when you you don't gig or you don't perform. Yeah. And nowadays, I mean, with the internet, you could be in your room and collaborate with other musicians. Like, you know, it's it's not just about, it. it is sometimes about being in the same room and, and that definitely there's nothing that replaces that. But, you know, you can play with other musicians, collaborate, and that's also really cool. Like, but I, I, I agree. Being by yourself in your room is great. You can get really good like that, right? You can get yourself really ready for the real world, I would say, like this. But at some point, you got to get out of your room and play music. And if you don't, it's fine. But like you said, you're missing out on 
the biggest joys that you'll ever have in music when you're sharing them with other people. 100%. So we're halfway through today's episode, but before we dive back into our discussion, let's take a moment to talk about the Top Music Guitar Teachers membership. Now, this isn't just another course or another run-of-the-mill membership. It's a game-changer for guitar teachers just like you. Imagine having a supportive community of like-minded professionals, mentorship from industry experts, and a wealth of resources and teaching tips at your fingertips. Our membership empowers you to grow your teaching skills and build a thriving guitar teaching business around whatever you want to do, whether that's online, offline, building courses, creating awesome products, whatever you want to do. Join us today for only $49 per month and unlock your full potential as a guitar teacher. Now, back to the podcast. Now, what can some of our our listeners who are guitar teachers do to help their students be more creative to fix problems with improvisation and and address those needs? One of the exercises, answer with an exercise, I mean, of course, apart from all the other things that we touched upon already, I was watching this uh, Pat Metheny interview with Rick Beato, and he was talking about some of these things. And it's like, at the end of the day, people have an idea of what a good solo or a guitar solo is. They practice their scales, they practice with a metronome, they practice in time, and they're capable of doing it. But for some reason, when it's time to take a solo, they put all that in the trash and they think they need to just like move everywhere and play a bunch of bands and play a bunch of things. They have this idea of what a solo is supposed to be. And they forget that a good solo at the end of the day is just the right notes played in time. It's better to play quarter notes, which for if some people don't know what that is, is one note per beat, literally like. That was all quarter notes. There were nothing, there was nothing crazy. There was no bands or whatever. Why does it sound like a, a melody? Because it was in time and it was the right notes. So if you play the right notes in time, you're going to go ahead of all the people that think that they just need a bank of the band and like put the distortion on and go all the way up here and down here and everything. That's great, but only if you play the right notes in time. Because <laughs> if you don't play the right notes in time and you're doing this, you sound like an amateur. And your creativity is not coming out because you don't have the skills to make it come out. One thing that's very important to realize is that you need to practice your scales And you need to know them really well in time. And you need to be able to make simple things groove and sound good before you start trying to put all the the fancy things in there. And that's going to help your creativity in many ways. And one of the exercises that I give my students is the following. It's play a solo with just quarter notes and whole notes. You hold a note for four beats and then you play four quarter notes. And then you hold a note for four beats and then you play four quarter notes. And you try to find joy in doing this and you try to like play the right notes and be calibrated and things like that. And a lot of the times people realize how hard this is because again, they're so stuck in their patterns and their licks and their things that actually just thinking about notes and simple rhythms is very difficult. That will help your creativity, your note choices because you're, you know, you're playing that whole note for four beats. So if you play the wrong note there, it's going to sound, it's going to resonate for four beats. You're not going to like it, right? So it's going to help you choose your notes. It's going to help you with your time because then you can move up to like eighth notes or something. So you can go two, three, 
target those notes that you want to bring out. So great exercise. Now, again, it's for creativity. I think that's a great exercise, not in the way that it's going to expand your ideas, but it's going to allow you to become better at expressing yourself comfortably and in a solo that means something that when you listen back to it, you're like, that was a decent solo. There was nothing wrong with that solo. It wasn't the best, but it was good. And I played the right notes and my groove is good. And that's the basics of a good solo or of a good melody. Fantastic. And I'm sure our listeners are eager to try that one out with their students. I know I definitely am later this afternoon. So I know it's always a good interview and I leave motivated and with a bunch of ideas that I can't wait to try out with my students. Now, you've mentioned um, you've written two books. Can you tell us quickly about those two books? Yes, two books. Uh, it's called Music Theory for the Self-Taught Musician, Volume 1 and 2. Just what I talked about. And I wrote those when I was in music school, of course. You know, it's one of those things where looking back, I'm like, oh, God, I, there's so many things that I would change. I just don't have time right now. <laughs> It is still a good, I would say, reference for people that are self-taught and that don't know much about theory because I build all the tools in volume one. So like I said, I start from the very, very beginning of the story with notes. Where are the 12 notes coming from, etc. right? Then simple rhythms and then going into intervals, two notes, triads. And I build all these tools from scratch. From the beginning, there is no staff notation, so you don't have to read music. It's all like diagrams, letters, and everything. It's all logic, step-by-step -step logic. There's nothing else than that. That's all the tools. Volume two is more about how you use these tools in musical situations. So that's more like harmony. How do you improvise over a chord, two chords? Three chords. Do you use modes? Do you use scales? Etc. Etc. What about the blues? So yeah, talk more about harmonic contexts and how to navigate those harmonic contexts. And then I touch into like jazz harmony, some more advanced stuff, of course. But I would say it's everything I know about music theory pretty much in those two books. If you don't know anything about theory, volume one will definitely get you started. Volume two can get you really far into jazz harmony if you if you're interested in that. But yeah, again, the, the thing, the main thing about it is it's real talk, right? It's not dots on a dots and lines. It's real talk. Like this is how you can use these tools to make music. And I understand you've also got uh, some online courses coming out. Can you tell us about those? Because they are specifically on music theory and improvisation, aren't they? Right now, I offer one-on-one -on -one mentorship. So that's my main model. Uh, there is some group sessions and some sort of like, I go live on the Facebook group and things like that, but... It's mostly kind of one-on-one -on -one where I take people through the process myself with the help of the books and all sorts of documents that I've created. It's really like step-by-step. -step, I take you by the hand, like I said, and we go back through the whole story and I show you how to practice all these tools. And it takes about four months, roughly, three to four months for someone that knows nothing about theory. Like seriously, I just had that with one of my students. He knew nothing. He was a good guitarist. He could play and stuff, but literally nothing not an interval not a chord not a scale nothing and it takes about four months to get someone from that to understanding all the things we talked about so you know chords intervals chords scales and the basic tonal and modal chord progressions and finding their way in these tunes so that's not a lot of time. That's what people, they're like, oh, it's going to take me 10 years to study all this. I'm like, no, it takes you three to four months if you can just, you just need someone to tell you the story correctly, the way it is. And 
with no BS and how things connect nicely, right? That's all you need. And you need, of course, some work, not that much for three to four months. And then you can go fly on your own, forget about theory, you know, and just go play. That's what, uh, what Pat Metheny said in that interview. He's like, I wanted to understand so that I could be. And I thought that was a beautiful sentence. It's like, I wanted to understand all this stuff so that I could just be myself on in guitar and play guitar and not have to worry about all this stuff anymore. So that's the point of the course per se. So it's more of like a one-on-one -on -one mentoring course, but I am, yes, indeed, um, I'm working on kind of streamlining the essentials of the things that I see with my one-on-one -on -one, um, students. Because of course, there's many things that come back and that are always pretty similar. And so I'm trying to distill the things that seem like they apply to most guitarists to create one streamlined course that hopefully people that maybe don't have the time or the luxury or the financial means to kind of take a one-on-one -on -one with me can use, right? So maybe in different countries or, you know, because it, it does, it's an investment, of course. And for those listening who would be interested in improving their theory or the creativity skills, where can they access your course or hit you up or find you online? Yes. So I have a website called willmetsacademy.com. You can go to the contact form and send me a message if you just want to get in touch. Or you can also, there's a, a free kind of session call where you can, you can book a lesson with me or session where we can like talk about, you know, how you're doing in music and where you'd like to go. And if you're interested in learning theory and, and getting your skills up, um, you can, you can do that there. Right. So contact form through the website and it's, it's me, you know, I'll usually answer directly myself. So yeah, you can get in touch with me like that. And otherwise there's also the social media, you know, there's uh, Geomets is my Facebook account and then Will Metz underscore music, um, on Instagram. And I do have some free YouTube videos for those that want to kind of check kind of my teaching style and see a little bit about my content uh, if you go to Guillaume or Will Metz on uh, YouTube you'll find me there too and we'll include all those links in the show notes wherever you're listening so uh, if you're driving at the moment don't pull out your phone and try and write all that down we'll uh, make sure we link it to make it nice and easy so uh, Will last couple of questions for you um, on more of a business topic how have you gone about adapting and finding students in the online teaching space so the business part, I actually recently switched to a, I think the revelation for me was starting to offer more of like a transformation package than just the weekly sessions. I will tell every single teacher out there, weekly sessions do not work. They don't work financially and they don't work for the students for the simple reason that students that do weekly sessions we all know how it works. You do one, you do two, you do three, and then meh, you, you kind of slack off. You know, you take, a, you take a week off, vacation, blah, 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 and all of a sudden something fills in your calendar, you're off the lessons. It's better for the student because it gets them committed to a point where they can actually start seeing some benefits to being in lessons and to, you know, going through program that you would make. So it's way better for them. And then on the teacher side, I would say it forces them to really have a plan. Like you need to have a plan, how your program is structured and how you know how to take someone from point A to point B, depending on where A is and where B is. And you need to know roughly what that means and how long it takes and things like that. That's what I would say. With, with, again, the understanding that the real 
progress that someone makes on the instrument is uniquely due to how much they practice on their own and how self-motivated they are. As a teacher, all you can do is offer consulting of like, I think you need to work on this and this and this, and those are the ways that you should do it. But there's no such thing as like a, do this for five minutes and then this for five minutes and then this for five minutes and you'll be a Jimi Hendrix in four months. Like that's not how guitar works, right? It might work for body, for gym or something like that, but it doesn't work like that for arts. But I would, so I would say, understand your expectations of like, what you can actually do and how to help people build a program and then have people buy in on that program so that they can actually get the full benefits of that. And I like that idea of offering some sort of transformational experience because I'm sure many teachers know uh, there's nothing more frustrating than someone who comes in highly motivated in three or four weeks, you know, they're out of there. Like how did they go from this to this or as soon as they miss a week, uh, you know, the commitment level is just not there. So I think that's a, a really awesome perspective. And in terms of marketing yourself and obviously finding the students to do these programs, how do you go about that? Yeah, so for me, it's been a lot of Facebook digging. First, you have to kind of fix your socials, understand how people see you. Like they're going to look at your profile. If you want them to be interested in lessons with you, you need a decent profile. So and I'm not going to go into the details of that. Have a nice profile picture, have a nice banner, put it somewhere in there that you teach guitar and make sure that your that your feed is mostly guitar related things, try to give some tips, try to post some some pictures of you with students or things like that, like whatever that means, right? But show people that that's what you do and that you can actually help them because if not, why would they sign up for lessons with you, right? So that's the the first thing. And then the second thing is get people to check you out, right? And so to do this, there's, I mean, nowadays there's so many avenues, of course, but I would say Facebook groups are a great one. Um, there is Instagram, of course, if you're, if you're okay with making 20 reels per week, you can like, <laughs> uh, you can make, put some reels and try to, you know, help people with this and give them some little tips here and there so that hopefully they like you and they want to sign up. And then YouTube for the longer format. Like if you if you have some, I started doing this recently, right? Where I made YouTube videos and try to get students from there too. Like, like with YouTube, you can allow yourself to actually give fuller lessons and give examples of full lessons so that people see how you actually teach. And that will build your credibility and you can start hopefully getting some students from there. That's some really, really great stuff there. Now we are bringing, or coming to the end of our time here and I really appreciate everything you've said so far and the wealth of experience that you're sharing with our listeners here. If you had one final bit of wisdom to impart with other guitar teachers, what would that be? Don't be afraid to charge more. Don't be afraid to, to value yourself. Like because a lot of music teachers are also musicians and because they're musicians, they have this broke mentality. Look at the world around you and how, th how much things cost. Look at how much it costs to get a freaking burrito at like i just had a burrito an average burrito and it was twenty dollars and some guitarists twenty dollars per hour you know i know that i know there's people out there that charge 20 bucks per guitar lesson that it's it still happens like it's like no like this is not how it works right you if you have a good service and you operate like this like 
Remember who you attract when you charge 20 bucks an hour. It really changes the type of students you're going to get. And it's going to also change your motivation because not lie to one another. Like it matters to, to be compensated for what you do. If you really care about your students and you really have a good system of how to help people, right? You got to be happy in life and you got to be able to afford the $20 burrito. So, <laughs> so yeah, make sure that you, that you do that. I don't know if that's something you've noticed too, but I would definitely recommend that. Oh, 100%. And obviously, you know, my program for the listeners who are familiar with me know I've got the six figure guitar teacher program. And it's all about how can you make $100,000 teaching guitar roughly 10 to 15 hours per week. And just getting people into that program is difficult because so many people, one, are in total disbelief that you can make $100,000 teaching guitar. And two, a lot of them feel really bad about charging that. Now, the trick is that we're not charging $1,000 per lesson. Although, in the right circumstances, like I, I took lessons with Scott Henderson recently, um, one of my favorite jazz fusion guitar players, and he was only charging 200 bucks an hour. Like if he had offered a thousand dollar lessons, I would have done at least one lesson with him for a thousand bucks without a doubt. The fact that he was $200 is I bought five lessons with him, which is, you know, mistaken. So yeah, guitar players severely, severely, severely undervalue themselves. Musicians in general, I think do. I went to a physiotherapist. It's $80 for 15 minutes and you have put in just as much effort to become good at playing guitar. You've put your 10,000 hours in to master that skill. You probably put close to 10,000 hours into becoming a good teacher if you've been doing it for any period of time. So you have mastered two skills or have invested into two. So you can charge a little bit more than $20. So yeah, I think most guitar teachers should charge what they're worth as a bare minimum, but also don't underestimate that if you do a flat rate for lessons then more than half of the people who are paying you $50 per hour would probably happily pay you 80 or 100 or 120. Not 100% of them, but more than what you think. The only reason they're not paying you more is because you never asked for it. 100%. And then it's, it's not even that. I mean, I would go one step further. Is like there's some people that want to pay that much money because there's some people that understand the worth of things and, that, and they want to get the best. And they know the best is not going to charge 20 bucks an hour. I'm not saying the best necessarily, like you said, you can find the best charging 200 instead of a thousand, but they're definitely not charging 20 bucks. That is for sure. <laughs> they're definitely not charging 50 bucks. They're probably definitely not charging 100. I would say the best guitar teachers probably charge 150 an hour. That's a good estimate, right? Of like a, of something like that. It's, it's a good number, I would say, of a higher rank rate that you can offer yourself and then you also have to be realistic with your level as a teacher like are you a $150 an hour teacher that's also another question right you got to you got to make sure your product is is on point for sure yeah 100% and i think you know a lot of people do these uh entrepreneur courses and i think one of the problems right now is on the back of COVID, everyone tried to start teaching online. So they all did the same couple of start your online business kind of courses. And it starts with pick a price that you're worth and then create a product or a course or go get clients. And yeah, it's all well and good to want to charge $120. But if you don't provide that value, then the reputation will quickly develop that you know, you're not worth your salt as a teacher. The other thing I'd say to all that is, and it links back to what you said, is even if you're charging $200 an hour, you're still kind of thinking in terms of time versus money. 
rather than leveraging yourself other ways. And I like what you said about offer a transformative experience. Once you get to $80, and I'm talking for Australian rates, it's obviously different depending on where you are in the world. But, uh, you know, here in Australia, $50 is the kind of, you know, just general accepted rate, $50 Australians. That's probably like $38, $40 US or thereabouts. Um, you know, 50 bucks is 50 bucks. An hour of my time is worth $50, essentially. That's kind of like an, a non-qualified teacher could get that. Uh, a qualified teacher would be a bargain at $50. $80 is getting pretty up there. You're going to lose a couple of people. $100, you know, only the people who are serious about uh, getting results or have a lot of money are going to go for $100. And some of the... <laughs> well, I get like lessons every now and then. So I'm not very good at jazz. It's something I've always wanted to do, but I kind of study it for a bit and then drop off for a couple of months, forget everything, have to go back and relearn it. But I will get, um, you know, lessons from the head of guitars at various universities and they're charging like $120 per hour. So they're cheaper than me effectively, um, despite, you know, their 40 year tenure and, and wealth of knowledge and all that kind of thing. So even some of these guys at the top really undervalue themselves. If any of my teachers are listening and I know some of these guys I've had on the podcast, please don't <laughs> up your rate for me next time I come for a lesson. But what you said is people are going to pay $100 an hour for a session with you. But some people will pay $3,000 for a 12-week program that gets them a specific result. Now, exactly. that might not have – so 10, hour, 10, 10 weeks of teaching might be you know, 10 hours of investment on your time. But uh, a 10-week transformational program, that might be two hours per person of your time plus a pre-recorded course plus uh, a little bit of community time and things like that. But you because it's a package – there are going to be people, it scratches the itch that they have and, and they're more than happy to pay a premium for a perceived result. Look at other industries, fitness, business packages. People pay $3,000, $5,000, $10,000 packages for certain results. Uh, and musicians are only starting to cotton onto this right now at the moment. It's a little different. You're not going to make millions from becoming good at the guitar, you know, so you got to reevaluate. I was going to say, I heard recently just, just give a heads up to some people that might think that they're overvaluing themselves. Uh, one of my recent clients here told me about how much Sonora costs. Have you heard of Sonora or well, an online guitar model? Now, apparently they have all these fancy things like, uh, and, and I heard some good things about it, but it's not about whether or not it's good. It's about um, the price. I heard that 16 week program with them pre-recorded with just group coaching, not like a one-on-one -on -one mentor. Like it's just like you're part of the community. You have group coaching and things like that. Anyway, 16 weeks was $7,800 US dollars. And the year program with a mentor is like $13,000. I'm not saying you're going to be able to charge those prices, but I'm saying think about how your life would change if you could charge $13,000 for one program that lasts a year. Well, you need 10 students. That's it. 10 students. And you've made your, you've made your six figures, right? You made your more than six figures with 10 students with that price. So it's definitely out there. There's people paying that. There's people charging that. You just have to make sure you, you kind of know how to position yourself to do that, essentially. 100%. Now, unfortunately, we are running out of time. I could talk about this business topic for days. But uh, Will, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate your time today. We will send out the social media links so that people know where to hit you up and check out your books and uh, resources and things. Guys, make sure you like and subscribe to Will. He's been very generous with his time and his knowledge today. And of course, we look forward to hopefully having him back in future. 
Anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you at the next episode of our Top Music Guitar Teaching Podcast. Bye for now and see you later. Hey there, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Top Music Guitar Teaching Podcast. If you have any questions about anything we discussed on the podcast, reach out to me at michael at topmusic.co via email. If you want a guest on the show because you're doing some wonderful things in the teaching space, I would love to hear from you. Or if you've got any suggestions for guests or topics we can discuss, as always, you know where to find me. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is our Top Music Guitar Teaching membership. We have over a thousand members of Top Music, and that is a huge community of people that you can connect with online, share wonderful teaching tips, and of course, network with. We've also got over 20 courses for music teachers, 12 special ones for guitar on every topic imaginable from group teaching, private teaching, how to find more students, how to build websites, everything you could possibly want to need to know about teaching, building a business and getting more students is covered. And you get access to all of this for $49, probably less than what you charge for a one hour private lesson every single month. So don't miss out on this awesome opportunity. Visit our website, www.topmusicguitar.com and join us in the membership. Thank you so much and we'll see you next week.